Hey everyone and welcome back to the Demon Slayer Chronicles podcast. Today we are going to be diving into episode 6 titled Layered Memories. My name is Andrew Nivsgren and I have Dylan Beal with me to dive into everything that happened in this episode and everything else that is happening in season 2 or the Entertainment District arc. Dylan, it has been a while since we've recorded. It's been a while since we've published. Mm -hmm. How have you been and how are you feeling as we get farther and farther into the season? I'm doing good. Uh, we are getting to some really exciting parts. And I actually found out something really interesting. So season two doesn't start with the Entertainment District. Technically, like, um, Mugen Train is the yeah. beginning of season two. Uh, I was, like, looking up on Wikipedia because I was, like, looking to see how many episodes uh, are total here. And it's like, yeah, that's just considered season two as well. Um, I thought it was its own, like, separate, like, I don't want to say fake season, but fake season uh, just to represent the movie. So if you actually look at it and actually how they like did like in the awards kind of this time around is how they do it is they're not even calling it season two. They're just calling it the entertainment district arc. Um, mm -hmm. Because if you look in Funimation, they have the Mugen Train arc, that entertainment district arc. When they're giving out awards, they're giving out awards for the entertainment district arc animation and stuff kind of like that. Oh, okay. So it's kind of almost like a season two, one, like two A, two B. Um, it's really yeah. kind of weird. I haven't actually seen anything kind of like this, but um, most people kind of look at it as their own, and I think it's kind of universally kind of done just to call the season two. So whatever, that's why it's Entertainment District arc. Um, it's kind of part of season two, and we're really enjoying it so far. And we are on the verge of kind of getting into the full-on combat. Obviously, those first couple episodes were a setup, and I'll dive into the recap here in just a second. But it's starting to heat up, and it only goes up from here. As I know, you still haven't seen some of the episodes, so very excited to get your raw reactions and for me rewatching these has been a blast. But let's do a very quick recap before we dive into a couple of our big topics. It starts off with the continuation of the fight between Daki and Tanjiro, where Tanjiro's starting to kind of get his groove using his flame breathing. He's starting to actually get better, but we're starting to see the physical toll it takes on his body. We do get a flashback or kind of a side cut to Rengoku's dad, kind of apologizing Tanjiro and talking a little bit about the scar on his head and what that means to flame breathers and kind of the heritage of that and get a couple mentions and reveals around his dad potentially before we go on to the rooftops after Daki has a transformation and Tanjiro goes for the head cut but is then told by his little sibling to breathe and is pretty much done for and as Daki pretty much says even though you almost killed me you're pitiful which I think is always interesting uh Nezuko comes out of nowhere to save the day and has her own transformation at the end so we've seen both now Daki and Tanjiro I mean, Nezuko uh, transformed during this episode. We'll talk about that here in a second. But where do we want to start? We have flame breathing and maybe a dad reveal finally. Muzan's memories. We have so many little things here that I didn't mention, but are super cool to talk about. Yeah, I really want to start on like the flame breathing because I think it's really interesting. Because uh, I think we're at the point of where we're starting to see like the path that Tanjiro is going down at least. Of like he had his like mentor figure. Um, who's not around anymore with Goku, but that also leaves like, I don't want to say an opening for a flame breather, but like it leaves an opening, right? Like it, yeah. it kind of makes sense now of like, oh, well, like there's now this gap in the Hashira where a flame breather would go. Tanjiro's learning flame breathing. It's connected to his past. It's like, oh, of course, that's where he's moving towards. Uh, so I, I'm interested to see because I know everyone has like, slight variations of uniqueness about like how they represent that so i want to see like what is tanjiro's version of it yeah and i i think it's already kind of we're already starting to see that a little bit how he's kind of mixing in some of his water breathing with it as well and i think um we're already starting to see but i do i think kind of opening up and getting some of those backdrops and 
kind of how in the past everyone was kind of saying like, oh, everyone with that scar on their head is meant to be a great flame breather and all that kind of stuff. And just the chance that with Tanjiro, he wasn't actually born with it, but instead it was a scar and from his battles and all that kind of stuff with a chance that it's still in the exact same spot that is normally is that he mentioned his dad kind of had one too. So kind of setting up kind of that prophecy kind of situation of like, oh, he's meant to be while also not being like a true heir to the breathing. I think it's kind of super interesting. So it's kind of their way of handicapping him, but saying you're still going to be a one of a kind kind of guy. Yeah, it, it is really interesting because it, it puts up like a layer of doubt on basically everything he does because they they set him up a lot like that of where it's like, you could be the chosen one, but also this is just like a random coincidence too. Like they always give the out there. And I kind of like that because uh, we're always toting the line of like, is Ta- well, it's I don't know, it's shonen. He's going to be the great yeah. one at the end. <laughs> but still, it like gives us at least the illusion of like, is he actually going to be something great? Is he not? Like, is his coincidence? And it leaves us with like an interesting mystery too. Yeah. And out of all this too, I think the mystery is kind of great. But I'm just happy to see Rengoku's dad turn around. Obviously, something you yeah. want to see during the lifetime, but he's like, you know what? Um, I'm sorry. I, even after my kids, I ignored my kids. I'm glad they still turned out and that his little brother and all this stuff's going to get that. So, I mean, it wasn't really something that felt incredibly earned, but we had so little interaction with a lot of those characters that even getting a couple minutes here and, and just kind of wrapping up that arc still makes me happy with that and does a great job of kind of setting up more mystery into the flame breathing. So, I think overall... Yeah really kind of like the wrap up to Rengoku as much as I love him still to be here though. Yeah. I actually didn't think we would get this much Rengoku going into um, this, uh, this arc at least because I think I'm jaded. I think I'm totally jaded by uh shonen like my hero where the movies are just standalone and they don't really have implications to the main storyline. So like seeing uh Mugen train and then the ramifications of that constantly happening now in like the entertainment district arc is really cool. Actually. Like, it feels like a nice cohesive thing, which, you know, obviously it's, it's part of the story. They just made that part of the story into a movie. Yeah. Uh, and but I, I really think that's like really it. why they did it during the season too, is that yeah. I don't think anyone is ever used to a movie being canon. So the idea of going from season one movie season two, at least is unheard of in anime to me, really, that I, I don't think there's many that kind of do that. I think maybe they'll build off of a movie, maybe like in the Gundam universe and kind of go from there. But like an actual like serialized shonen, I've never watched anything that had a movie in the middle that was required to watch. All their movies, if I'm like, hey, this builds up characters, or with One Piece, this summarizes 150 episodes. But like, I've never seen this kind of one, and I think it was smart ultimately to turn it into a season. Otherwise, I think a lot of people would have been lost and would have hurt the series overall. Yeah, and I mean, it kind of you double up on it too, because like you spend the movie budget making it. But then you're also able to like cut it up and then add a little bit of scenes to it to really make it a season. So yeah, I, that seems like a good direction. And I don't think a lot of things have done that before. So like, yeah, obviously in Gundam, uh, there's movies, but the movies, I don't want to say you can skip them, but like they, they act the same way as like a completely different IP in the same universe would work. And the fact that it's a continued storyline, but like it's not 100% required reading to move yeah. to the next thing. Um, kind of moving back into the actual episode, though, I think we maybe saw Tanjiro's dad here. Um, I yeah. mean, he had the same earrings, the birth of the scar after Tanjiro just saying that his dad had the scar. And um, he has the hair. He has the hair, too. And, like, the last thing that we left off with is that, like, uh, I think it was 
I think it was season one. I think they might have touched on it a little tiny bit in the movie as well. But then they they talked about how uh, Tantra's dad like um, knew this dance with fire and then also left for an extended period of time. And then now we see this dude who is like clearly like a, a demon slayer of some sort, maybe a Shira, that looks like his dad and has the same earrings, the earrings that were passed down to him. Like, I, I feel like this is like finally like starting to connect the dots. Uh, and I think that leads to our next point um, that I definitely want us to jump off of this of like the memory being Muzan's memory. And it's like, okay, cool. Like the father fighting Muzan probably was defeat. I don't think we had a clear conclusion on his dad, right? No. I like, it, we know it was that literally dad... just Tanjiro pretty much said exactly the same thing they all said to Muzan, who knows how long ago. And that kind of sparked memory in, in Daki's head, like, hey, I've heard this before. And then she realized that it's also not her memory. Yeah. And, and, then, and then that sets us up for like, uh, the reason why Tanjiro is like leaning into this is like, oh, if his dad was a flame demon slayer, flame breathing demon slayer, or like a flame Ashira, it's like, oh, cool, like this is the legacy that we've been we've been like looking at. So I know I'm interested to see what because it's a cool mystery too. Uh, and I think what like is the most interesting is Muzan's memories in other demons. I think it'll be it's such a cool kind of plot device to actually explain backstories, um, and stuff kind of like that that are things that we never really know. So like. Um, obviously, as uh, we kind of get more of the show, they're more likely going to be fighting higher level demons, which means they're going to have more cells, which means they have a chance of more memories kind of sparking. This is really the first time we've kind of seen that, but um, I doubt it's probably the last memory we get here because Daki is still the upper six. Um, but when we face the five, the four, the three, the two, does that mean each one will kind of give us more of a backstory? And then when we get to Muzan, they don't have to do the entire like, hey, this is who this guy is because you've only seen him a couple of times of being scary. Like, no, like, oh, wow, he, he this is kind of how he got to this point. This is uh, some of the challenge he's faced. I think it's a good way to flush out a character without Tanjiro having to fight and barely survive or something kind of like that to get a kind of lore and backstory. So I think it's, yeah. it's a really cool kind of method of doing it. Yeah, I really like it. Um, I think you can really compare it with, like, how uh, JoJo's did it in, uh, in their part three of their main villain. You would just get his point of view and, like, what he's doing. And, like, it's cool, it's interesting, but, like, there's something, like, even scarier when you're getting not the main villain's perspective, but someone else's perspective of the main villain, and you're piecing together all those, like, pieces. Like, that's really cool, because I think it leaves the main villain still kind of a mystery. Like, you still don't know a ton about him, but you're learning enough to, like, really grip you in there and to exactly. be like, okay, I know why this is the big bad final guy, right? Because, like, he's doing all these little tiny things that we're going to piece together. And I think that's really cool. And and, and the, the memory flashback resonated with me way more than, like, the one-off uh, scenes that we got of Muzan just, like, doing Muzan stuff. Like, that wasn't as gripping to me uh, as actually seeing, like, the the little tiny memory flash. Yeah, no, I, I, completely, I completely agree. I'm really excited. I hope we kind of see more of those. I think now that they open the floodgates, they could just come in every other episode or whenever Tanjiro says something or whenever someone else shows up, like I think it gets open the game. Wait, wait a second. Does this mean Nesco has the memories too? Well, she's maybe. a demon and all demons come from Muzan. So may maybe, yeah, we still have no idea how Nesco works though. And we definitely, I definitely don't think she has as much cells as the upper six. So we're seeing that she's kind of powerful, but Usually, with the higher ranked demons, like he has to come and continue to give it. So that's usually after they kind of power up already. 
so Nesco hasn't really eaten anyone, and I don't think he just says, like, ah, oh, you know what? This one girl, I'm just gonna pump full of, like, upper six-level cells and see if she survives. So maybe, um, but I... I don't know. There's always a chance. I don't I don't think we can knock anything out yet, but we don't... Let's, I don't think we'll, Nesco we'll, we'll got to the same it, point. We'll put a pin in it. Yeah, we'll, we'll yeah. put a pin in it for later. So, then I think the last thing we kind of want to touch on is kind of the opening of Transformations kind of in Demons. Obviously... Naki didn't make a huge deal of it. It'd be at the very beginning of this episode. Almost after Tanjiro got um got her neck, she went from her white uh, black hair look to a white and green kind of second level transformation. Uh, Tanjiro even kind of mentioned how um she kind of smelled different of how it was kind of clear that she's clearly powered up there. And then at the very end of this episode, we also see Nezuko after fighting Naki for just a second and kind of getting beat after her initial attack, um, start transforming at the very end of the episode as well. So I think... It's literally cool. We now know there are second phases of boss fights, maybe even third down the road. I think it's kind of what it opens up. Um, Clearly, it wasn't like a complete change for Daki. It was just kind of like a, I guess, I don't know it's too much, but like kind of an ultra instinct, a next level of her current power set. Um, So maybe that opens up, hey, there's new power sets that can come down a little road transformations. They can transform a second or third time. Um, So I think I like that idea. Obviously, it kind of seems an easy just add in there. But it's cool to see that actually be implemented. Yeah, I wonder what, like, so with Nesco, like, it seemed pretty obvious what her transformation did. She went from, like, small Nesco to strong Nesco. Like, it's, it, it, it's like, it makes sense. But, like, what did that mean for Daki? Like, because, like, you could take the DBZ example of, like, going Super Saiyan. And it's like, I understand what this is. It's like increasing your base power level. It doesn't work the same for demons. Like, do they have to, like, it, it like, them transforming... Because, like, this is just, like, a simple visual one. Like, if she, like, started, like, growing, like, 18 different arms out of her, I'd go, oh, I know what what this transformation is beneficial for. But, like, she just, like, really kind of changed her hair. So I wonder, like, what what does that mean? Like, um, like what what is the tangible upgrade that she got there? But, yeah, no, I think that's super interesting. Because I think that opens up a ton of other questions because we haven't seen a transformation before. So is it only certain powerful demons? And then if only certain powerful demons can do it, then why can Nezuko do it? And like, or is it everyone? And why are we only just seeing it now? Is there is there is there like some underlying thing that makes it so a demon can transform? So I, I think it I think it opens up like a, a bunch of questions at least, uh, which is good because I, I like to see things like uh like a, like evolve with like the the power system, but also still leave us with a lot of questions. Yeah, because the power system up to this point is Gary kind of simple. We just know that there is a scale of demons and that the higher the scale is, they have more cells and moves on. But we there, there's really nothing else beyond that. And at least on the Hashira side, um, or kind of the demons are side, number of breathing styles you know and maybe how much you've kind of fought and your speed and stuff like that. Like, there's yeah. really not much of the power system. So this is kind of the first twist to that, which is always kind of good and makes it a little interesting. And, and now it's something we'll kind of predict for future fights. Like, oh, there'll be a second phase. But... um that doesn't take away from future fights. It kind of makes me look forward to, especially with this show where the animation is amazing. I'll mm-hmm. never say no to a second phase that he knows will be better than the first. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it just adds so much more depth to the fights too. But I think that's about what we got. Is there any last kind of points or things you want to call off this episode? I think that's about everything I wanted to go through. Yeah. No, I just, the end though, I like the, the ending on Nesco. It's like, I, I, I want to see the next one already. I just want to see the next one. Uh, because I, I think this makes sense, right? Of like how it because like we've been talking about this, of like how does Sandro get out of this? And it was like, okay, well, like the Hishir is gonna show up and save him. 
but yep. like maybe him and Nesco at this point of like them like tag teaming together uh, to defeat this, which is cool because it's emphasizing to us at least that Tondro like very clearly is not strong enough to fight a demon like this. So um, either him and Nesco, which I think, I think if they, um, I think if they do the power scaling, because I don't know, like I know, I know we we know from how many manga chapters are that that it's not an incredibly long series. Mm-hmm. But he's still fighting an upper six pretty quickly. Like this is this is still really. I mean, he almost early got her neck. That could also be a reason of introducing transformations here. Is you want to show that Tanjiro's got stronger and got close, but she needs to power up so that it's like okay, it's clear. he's not actually going to kill her here. But like he's gotten yeah, stronger, yeah. they could kind of kill her. Like I think yeah, that's yeah. kind of a good point of it there. Yeah, exactly. And so like when she's in her powered up mode, it's like okay, well you're going to need like you're going to need Nezuko, you're going to need uh, Tanjiro. And maybe at this point, like, we start to get all the other people together, and, like, that's how they emphasize, oh, no, like, a transform upper six is a real big deal, because you need literally everyone versus this one demon to take them out. Yeah, I, I'm really kind of interested to see how the group gets in, of how that happens. Like, is there a way that they kind of separate the group again? Like, teaming up five on one does kind of seem a little odd, so I think it'll be interesting to see what happens there, because usually it's almost always a one and two, two and one, but it'd be weird not to use a Zooey, uh and the rest of the crew for the rest well, I, of the... I mean, it makes sense with the belt, right? Like, because yeah. of, like, how many different belts there are, I feel like the fight makes sense of where it's just, like, Docky and then a bunch of belts all going all over the place. Like, it makes sense of where you can have more, because it's not, like, a single sword user versus five people, no. where that doesn't make as much sense. And people are in danger now, too. So now they have to kind of go into yeah, saving mode, yep. too. Yeah, because, like, yeah, Tanjiro is, like, on his last leg. Of, like, can't even catch his breath at this point, so... All right, I think that's going to be it for this episode of the Demon Slayer Chronicles podcast. Thank you so much for listening to our quick recap on thoughts on everything that happened in this episode. We'll be continuing with the rest of the arc. We're recording a bunch today, personally, kind of out of context, but uh, uh, we're really excited to keep going there. Can't wait to read the rest of the episodes. Uh, Thank you so much for listening along, and we'll see you all next time.